Hi, and welcome to the FG Personal Training Podcast. Today, the tables have turned. Today, Team FG, so Rachel, Alex, and Tim interview me about my journey through health and fitness and how I come to found FG Personal Training. Hi, Freddie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Thank you. Um, so tell us a little bit about yourself and about your health and fitness journey. So brought up in a very, well, say, I'll say sporty, inverted commas, football household. Um, so my dad's a mega, mega football fan. So as a kid, we brought up around, well, my mum wasn't sporty at all. My mum was a dancer, but she was never into kind of watching sport on TV. Um, but my earliest memory of sitting in front of the TV was football. Um, it was football on a Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon, match of the day, Saturday night. So I was always around sport. Um, and where I grew up, so I grew up in South East London. Um, so there wasn't much in the way of grass um, at all, really, like grassy areas. So there was no playing fields or anything like that. It was all sort of streets and streets and playgrounds. So from an early age, I was out on the street playing football, um, playing football in the in the uh, in the winter, cricket in the summer, out on the uh, out on the tarmac. Um, so it was always brought up around sport, and it was kind of the only thing to do. Um, so I was, I guess, I was fortunate in the sense there wasn't much to do apart from sport. Um, so I was kind of, I was kind of brought up around sport um, from a, sort of as long as I can remember, to be fair. Um, but yeah, it was good fun. Uh, good fun lots of like I say lots of sport and biking and that sort of stuff so I've always been quite an active person um and then got into as I got older so moved to Norfolk and then kind of got more of a variety of sport sort of offering um I mean like I didn't ever play tennis really didn't ever play well I didn't play football like properly it was always like I say on on the road on the street in between cars um <laughs> so moving to Norfolk when I was nine had more of an exposure to to sort of a greater array of sports um I did karate when I lived in London so um that was kind of my my sort of thing I did outside of school other than street football um and I carried that on in Norfolk and that kind of got to a high level so I didn't really compete or anything when I lived in London it was more just sort of a couple of times a week, more of a self-defense thing um and then when I moved to Norfolk um because I'd gone from living in quite a built-up area to quite a rural area there was nothing to do there was no pavement there was no street so that was a bit of a shock at first and there was no, like, you couldn't play football with cars going at 75 miles an hour along <laughs> the road. So uh, that was a that was a bit of a problem. So I kind of got more involved in karate. Um, and then also, like, cricket was a big part of my, big part of my summers moving to Norfolk um, because we had the space to do it. Um, and there was, there was actual cricket teams that I knew about rather than, I mean, we played a bit of cricket up the sort of park and stuff in London, but there was never, well, I'm assuming there was a cricket team, but I didn't know of one. Um, so I kind of got into that and then just from there took it on into as I got older getting more experience with the gym and stuff through school so part of my GCSE uh, PE was going to the gym with the school and then kind of found a bit of an interest in it really from there um, but yeah it was always more of a sports rather than a, than a fitness thing so I was more interested in kind of the sports side and like I say grew up in a with a, a scouse dad who's a, a crazy Liverpool fan so uh, it was always football in the house and not much else, to be honest. So, uh, but yeah, grew up around, grew up around sport. Yeah. Oh, nice. So, nice. Said so, that, um, on, that you, so you said that you were, you know, grew up watching football and stuff. But obviously, I know knowing you that a big part of your life is also the karate. And mm -hmm. what was it that got you into that then or made you think about doing that? I believe my dad wanted me to box, but my mum didn't want me to get punched in the head. 
Um, so I always <laughs> make the running joke of she didn't want me to get punched in the head, so I now get punched and kicked instead. Um, but uh, no, I mean, I had this fascination with Power Rangers, believe it or not, when I was a kid. Um, and I was always sort of up and down the house doing what you could call karate moves, I guess, thinking I was Power Ranger. Um, and then I was by chance, I think, a, a guy come and knocked on the door selling karate classes. Um, and like I say, my dad wanted me to kind of do some sort of some sort of self-defense based based exercise. And the guy came round. Um, I mean, they may tell a different story. I was only like sort of five or six. But from what I remember, this guy had a huge sort of file of facts. And he come and sat in the living room and signed me up to a karate class. And uh, that was kind of where it started, really. Um, we used to turn up, pay three quid um, and, and do a karate class. And like I say, when I moved to Norfolk, it kind of got a bit more serious because I didn't go out on the street. I couldn't do anything. Like my mates weren't literally two or three doors down. They were six miles away. Um, so I had to do something after school and kind of karate then took it off. But I don't think when I first started karate, I had any kind of ambition of being the best in the world or great or whatever, or black belt or whatever. It was just kind of, it was, it was something I did because my dad wanted me to probably learn self-defense to be fair. Um, and then, but my passion really for it took off um, when I moved to Norfolk at sort of nine, 10 years old. Um, and yeah, done it ever since, but I was lucky from a young age, I got to experience quite a lot through karate. So I went to my first national championships at 10 years old. Um, that was quite fun because it was in Blackpool on a Saturday. So we had to take a day off school on a Friday to get up there. And uh, we used to get a letter excusing us from school, from the club, which was quite cool. So we used to hand in this letter to the head teacher and say, I need a day off school on this date. Um, so that was quite cool. But yeah, that kind of, I think, because I don't know if I built a passion for it because of I had friends there or whether it was because I had success from a young age. I'm not really sure. Probably a little bit of both. Um, and because I then started going to sort of big championships and stuff, like I say, from a young age, I started training more and I think that kind of just naturally grew into a bit more of a passion and a hobby because I was there all the time. I feel like I spent probably three quarters of my childhood in a, in a, some sort of random leisure centre or school hall somewhere um, mm. in the middle of nowhere on like a cold, cold, dark night somewhere. I was in some school hall or some leisure centre. Um, so I think that's kind of where it came from. And then that's kind of where the coaching came from. So the club I was part of, had a, had a bit of a structure where basically every black belt at 14 years old was asked to do some teaching. So I, I fell into that system. Um, I was asked to teach on a Sunday morning. Um, it was kind of my first paid job. I got £2.50 an hour uh, for rocking up and tying up kids' belts. And uh, that was it. And that's kind of where it started from, really. Um, so it's been fortunate, really, that I haven't had to really do a proper job. I say a proper job. I haven't had to work in a bar or something like that. Um, mm. So, yeah, 14 years old, started teaching, teaching the kids karate. Um, and then, yeah, it grew from there. Then went on, studied a bit of sports coaching and stuff. But, yeah, the kind of the passion for karate, I think, kind of come from having an early success at it. Um, but I was never naturally talented at sports at all, really. I was I was always the one that worked hard. There was, there was guys, even in karate, that are, they can they cannot do karate for 10 years and come back and still be better than me. I have to work quite hard. And I've always found that with all sports, really. Um, like I say, I grew up around football, but I'm hopeless at football. And even with cricket and stuff, like I, I had to work really hard at, at my cricket and I worked really hard at my karate. And even now, like, I think for me, it was kind of, 
I, I must have had a, a, I would say, a talent for it, but it was never like one of these people. I was never one of these people that could pick up a cricket bat and be good at cricket or pick up a tennis racket and be good at tennis. Um, I enjoyed it, but I had to, if I wanted to do it, I had to be good. And I think that's why I kind of stuck with, in the end, just with karate, because it was something I kind of did excel at. And it was something that I had the, I've, I've put the time and energy into and made a lot of sacrifices in other areas of my life to be good at it. Um, Can I just so, ask, Freddie, what, what is it that drives you to succeed like that? Um, other people, as in I want to be better than other people. So for me, like because karate is an individual sport as well, there's nothing worse than being in, a, in like a dojo or like a martial arts hall and the guys next to you are better than you. That used to wind me up and it still does wind me up. If, if I'm in a room and someone's better than me, I want to be better than them. I'm, I was always that classic kid that wanted to be first, everything. I don't see the point of entering the race to come third or second. Um, but I also think like when I was a kid, so my dad, like I said, was a sporty kind of person. He never beat us or he never let us win anything. So I remember like being like in London, we had this like playhouse that he built out of old sort of old wooden old pallets. And we used to have it as a goal. And he used to pelt footballs at me at like 100 mile an hour when I was like six, because he would want to beat me 5-0 at a penalty shootout. And I would I would hit the ball at two or three mile an hour at six and he'd dive to save it. So he'd never let us win anything. So I think that's where the kind of competitive nature come from because I wanted to be him. And that drove us. And also, like I say, quite competitive. So my dad always used to say to me in the car when I was a kid at karate, if you don't win anything today, son, can we come home? <laughs> like, can we leave early? Is what he used to say to me. And I think that, and it wasn't him being, it wasn't him being, negative as such it was just a kind of I've got work tomorrow mate like what are we doing I'm taking you to all these random places in the UK like if you aren't gonna if you aren't gonna win like can we get home early do we have to stay around so that used to drive me to want to win and then um, as I got older he's like I say he's quite a competitive person I think he influenced a lot of my competitiveness because for us in karate like we it's a bit like Olympic sport you have first second third so you get medals for first, second and third, where he was brought up around the football. So you get nothing in football for coming second. And he always used to say that um, second place was first loser. So I think for <laughs> me, that used to, he said, you're the best loser if you've come second. He said, because you beat everyone else, you lost at the final hurdle. So uh, for me, I think it was that, it wasn't necessarily to sort of, it wasn't to please him. It was just that, just instilled in you kind of subconsciously that, doing your best is good. And my mum was a, my mum was a successful dancer. Um, she was a high level dancer herself. And she was not, she was the opposite of my dad. She's like, as long as you try your best, you've done fine. Where my dad was like, that's, that's great, but you don't enter a race to come second. You enter a race to come first. Um, oh, nice. So yeah, coming off that Freddie, what would you say your biggest like achievement in karate like is? Like what sort of level did you get to or you so, still are? Yeah, so my biggest achievement was representing my country. Um, so I was lucky enough to do that three times um, internationally. So I represented uh, at two World Championships and the European Championships. Um, oh, wow. World Championships, unfortunately, I got disqualified twice. So that cut, cut it short. Um, that cut my day short twice. Um, a bit frustrating. Um, but I picked up some international medals along the way. So I picked up uh, two, two World Silvers in team events. And... Um, uh, European gold and a bronze uh, so actually but the, the European bronze was quite good because like I say the two world championships before that I got disqualified in the individual events um, and then I managed to pick up a bronze in an individual event so even though it wasn't gold and uh, 
again, it wasn't it wasn't silver, so it wasn't a first loser, so I was happy with that. But um, <laughs> it was uh, it was good to kind of pick up an individual medal at an international event. Um, but yeah, I got selected for a couple of international tournaments as well. For sort of, I competed for both England and the Midlands regions. So the way it used to work was Norfolk used to come under the Midlands region, and um, I got picked for a couple of international tournaments for the Midlands region. But unfortunately, they never came off. Um, so I was supposed to go to Luxembourg and I was supposed to go to Holland a few years ago now, uh, 2017 or 2018 or something. Um, but they never came off just due to like funding and certain team members and sort of other things because karate is all self-funded. Um, so if I was in, supposed to be in a team with three guys or four guys, sorry, to go to uh, to Holland and uh, basically two of them said that they couldn't couldn't afford to go and couldn't get the time off work etc etc so that left two of us stranded basically um so that kind of never came off so that was always quite good um but yeah I think for me sort of going international um competing at international winning at international um and then obviously winning sort of national titles along the way as well was kind of the kind of the biggest success competition wise um but I think uh so 20 19 and uh, November I went to Japan and passed a grade in Japan and uh, that was quite a big deal actually because uh, I believe uh, I'm one of the first from Norfolk to do that um, oh wow that's really to go good to Japan and, to go to Japan and grade I know people that have been to Japan and uh, trained and stuff out there but I don't know of anyone sort of in the local area that's graded out there um, so for me that's kind of up there with kind of my competition success as well um, because that was probably, I would say, the grade with the grade with a, like with a competition, you can have a good day. You can get a gold, silver, or bronze. You can have. You might not win a medal, but you've had a couple of good fights, won a couple of fights, and gone, okay, yeah, I've had a good day there. That was quite good, or that was a successful performance. But with a grading, you got pass or fail, so you can only kind of have one good result out of that because it's fifty-fifty, isn't it? Mm. Um, and to go all the way out there and and pass, I think it's probably one of the not physically hardest things I've ever done, but it was definitely probably up there with one of the mentally hardest things I've ever done because it's behind closed doors as well. So there was 10 of us from England that went and basically it's uh, they chuck everyone out, shut the doors and you're there grading in front of, in front of three high ranked sort of Japanese instructors. Um, but I think, yeah, mentally that was quite tough because um, that was the big, you're on your own and without delving too much into it, um, I did something that was correct and they thought I did it wrong and I was questioned into it and I thought I'd gone there and mucked it up basically um so it was quite like a not emotional but it was a it was hard like mentally as a challenge to go out there and, and face that because it's a, it's a different ball game to when you do them over here oh nice so you've had quite a lot of successes in like karate and your sports and things now let's talk about a bit more success about FG personal training yeah. So what made you want to set up your own business? Was it always like a dream and pathway of yours or was there something um, different that you wanted to do in life? Kind of fell into it. Like I think I've fallen into a lot of stuff in my life, to be fair. So like I said, I fell into kind of teaching karate. So 14, I was a black belt, teach karate. That was kind of the pathway. Um, and so there was a kind of, I always had something like I would, I'd like to have my own, like maybe karate school or like, but I, I'd always had this fascination around boxing gyms. So I'd always wanted to have like my own sort of my own facility of some sort. But um, yeah, I didn't really know really what I wanted. And then I went to uni, hated it, come back, um, took a full-time karate job at 18 
Um, did that for a year and then got made redundant at 19, uh, which is quite hard to take, really, because, like I say, I was, I was involved in karate in a big way. Um, just teach, like we say, I was training, competing, teaching. I was teaching every day. Um, and then I got made redundant at 19, and I wasn't even offered a... I wasn't even offered a part-time coaching role or a voluntary coaching role. It was basically from everything to coaching every day. And, and I was going to schools in the daytime. I was running PE, like karate sessions as part of PE lessons. I was doing after-school clubs. I was teaching in the evening. We were training twice a week. So I was like a full-time athlete, essentially. Um, and that went from that to literally zero. So he said, um, I want you to work for a month. This is my old boss. He said, I want you to work for a month. And then after that, you're done. So it's kind of like, well, where do I go from here? Um, kind of something you thought you're going to do forever into well I say forever but something you think you're going to do probably for a long period of time as a career and then it it went to it went to zero overnight basically um so I thought right what am I going to do so while I was at college I did my level two gym instructor qualification um I had an interest in the gym anyway and I kind of did it as a fallback option and it's probably one of the best decisions I ever made in hindsight because I didn't want to qualify as a PT um and, and did that and set up FG personal training straight away, but it was more of like a freelance basis. Um, I didn't have the gym or anything like that. And it just got to the point where I encountered problem after problem after problem with freelancing. And I was kind of doing a bit of part-time karate instructing and that was great and stuff. And I was doing this like, like my own circuit class and I was doing the boot camp um, and these kind of things, but there was no real structure to them. They were kind of as and whens and kind of pick up this pick up that and there was no real structure to it and I was kind of I wasn't really going anywhere with it if that makes sense I was kind of just like so I I bit the bullet and said right I'm going to build a build a gym in the back garden um so that's kind of where that went um from there but I kind of really like I, said, I kind of really fell into it did I have any plans to become a fitness instructor um well, I probably did if I wanted to do level two at college but I don't I think at that like when you start college you're 16 17 aren't you so I think for me it was all about karate I want to be a karate instructor. I want to be a karate instructor. I want to be full-time karate. And then when it was kind of, it was taken away from me, essentially. I, it wasn't my choice to be made redundant. Um, so I was made redundant and then I was kind of left in a bit of a no man's land, really. It was either go and work as a, as a normal person for a change or go and get my level three and try and make a go of it. Um, so that's what I did. And I think the reason why FG has become what it has now, I mean, I'm nowhere near done, but I think it comes from that second loser thing or the first loser thing. And it's don't, don't be second, be the best and be the best you can be. And, and again, it's one of those things that he didn't mean it, but when, when I first built my gym, my dad said, what are you going to do if this doesn't work, son? And I said, well, <laughs> I don't know, probably go and get a job like everyone else does. But again, it's that he, he used to say it is he, he's, it's this whole, what are oh, you going to, when can we come on early, son, if you don't win anything today? Is that kind of, it was him looking out for me as if to say, what are you going to do? Have you got a plan B? But to be honest, I didn't. I didn't have a plan B. It was, I had a plan A and that was it. And I said to him, I said, if I've got to make it work. Um, and it was, it was, I'm going to make it work. I will make it work. And I've got to make it work. Like, it's, I don't have a plan B. I don't have a second option. I don't have anything to fall back on now. Before, I always had something to fall back on, I think. So there's always the karate thing. So oh, if this doesn't work out, I'll just go back to teaching karate. Or if this doesn't work, I'll go back to doing that. Or if this works, I'll go... I, I didn't have that at that time. It was literally make or break for me. Do, um, do you think that not having the plan B actually spurred you on to to make it more of a success? So what, what your dad said made you realise that you didn't have a plan B and therefore you put much more focus onto it? Yeah, 
definitely. And I think because for me, that works better because I've always been a reverse psychology type of person. There's no point telling me I can do something because I won't do it. There's, you tell me I can't and I'll do it and I'll make sure I do it and I'll make sure I do it 10 times better. Um, I've always been that way inclined that if you, like if someone says like, I'm massively scared of heights and I've got a running joke with Holly. Holly is like, you're never going to go to go eight or you'll never get up there. I'll get up there. I'll make sure I'm up there and I'll make sure I get around everything. It'll take me about six hours, but I'll get around it. But <laughs> Brilliant. If, if you tell me, <laughs> if you can't tell me I can't do something, then I'm the opposite. I'll, I'm, I'll, and again, it's, it comes from that thing of me being in that karate hall, being a bit of an overweight chubby kid and not being the best and not being the most talented. I had to work hard to be, become the, I want to be better than you. I want to be, or I want to be the same as you. I want to be as good as you. I want to be better than you. So that came from that. It was, uh, okay, well, I'm going to make this work and I'm going to be the best at it because everything else I've done, when I've picked it up, I've never been the best at it. Um, I was never, I was never the best cricketer. Um, there was, there was cricket, there was players that were better than me when I was, I, I mean, I came through school, high school and played cricket at high school, but I was the leading wicket taker for two to three seasons because I made sure I grafted. Um, can I just ask, Freddie, I mean, have you any idea where you kind of got that steel from? Because in those situations, it, it would be really easy to look around and say, oh, this isn't for me. I'm not as good as those people. This isn't for me. Whereas you kind of went the other way and said, right, well, I need to get better. Mm-hmm. Um, where do you think that came from? Is that just something that's in you? I think so a little bit. And I think, again, it's the, it's, it goes back to that that sport as a kid where it was no holds barred. It was you played sport to win. And I think it kind of comes from that because my whole life has revolved around sport and everything I do. And even now, like, I make decisions based on what I've done in the sporting context. Um, so I think it comes from that kind of, you're determined to win all the time. And that just transferred over into, into business. So I'll, if, I, if I play tennis, I want to make sure I win. Even though I know the person opposite me is probably going to beat me and is better than me, I'll go away. I'll get a tennis coach and I'll make sure I'll, the next time I play you, I'll give you a better game. And I think that kind of, that come from my, as a kid, just being sporty as a kid, because you know what sport's like. You, 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 you play for fun, but there's an element of competitiveness. And I've always been competitive. So I think that's just where it's come from. Um, so I don't know if it's a steeliness or if it's just competitiveness that's then, that kind of then feeds into that almost pig-headedness of I'm not going to let it beat me. Um, but yeah, it's like the same thing when I, like, I remember when, so the first year, so when I got onto, when we I was made redundant from the karate club. My friend set up a karate club. And I said, we part of this new association. We joined them in the October, October 2015. And uh, October 2014. And the 2015 England trials were in the January. So we'd only been part of this association for two months. I didn't know who anyone was. And I went, I'm going to go and trial for the England squad. And they were like, what? You're mad. And I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go. I'm just going to do it. I said, if I don't get picked, I don't get picked. And I walked in there and it was like the lion's den. Everyone just stares at you. I got my, my ass handed to me big time. But I thought, you know what? I'm going to make sure these guys, one, know who I am, and two, respect me. And by the time I finished with that, like I said, I'd, I'd been to a couple of international tournaments, won a few medals. Um, and actually, I, I, I believe I became sort of a, a respected member of that, of that squad. So I think it, it, that steeliness comes from, like I said, just being competitive and, and not wanting to be... I have a fear of being bad I have a fear of being the worst person the worst person in the room 
And I think that's where it comes from. So I strive to be the best person in the room, not the worst. Um, if that makes sense. So I don't, I, when I was even at school, like I didn't want to be bottom of the class. I don't care if I'm not at the top, but I don't want to be at the bottom. And I think that's kind of where my stealing has come from. So if I know I'm going somewhere, I try my absolute hardest to not be the worst. And I think then sometimes that kind of manifests itself into, well, if you're not going to be the worst, you might as well be the best. Yeah, so then obviously in terms of now working at FG and this being your mm -hmm. full-time thing, um, I mean, we're all very different trainers. We all have different skills. We all have different strengths and weaknesses. But in terms of yourself, I mean, what do you feel you add to FGPT and in particular to your clients? Um, I think for me, it's the experience. Um, there's not, I mean, there's still more to learn and there's still more to go and I'm always striving to learn. But I think, like I say, coaching at 14, I'm now 26. So it's 12 and a half years I've had behind me now. And like I said, I was a full-time coach from 18. Um, so I've been put in different sort of, I've been put in different situations. Um, I remember, tell, I don't know if I've, I've told you before, but I remember telling Alex once that, like, again, it's, it's me referring back to sort of my, my karate upbringing and stuff that I was an instructor probably for a few weeks and I was chucked in front of a, of a group of probably 200 people on the course and said, right, warm this lot. You've got 20 minutes, not a minute over, not a minute left. So I think for me, I've, I was I was kind of thrown in at the deep end in terms of that. So for me, the experience of that helps with helps with this. Um, I'm not the most experienced fitness coach in the world. I'm not the most qualified fitness coach in the world. Um, but I've had a lot of coaching experience. Like I said, I've worked in, I've been in, I've been in schools, I've been in high schools, I've been in primary schools. I've had to deal with all that and the logistics that come with that because it's not just a case of rocking up and teaching the kids. You have to, you have to go in, you have to deal with a receptionist you don't have to deal with the head teacher or the teacher or the TA or whoever it is that has that class and I think for me it's the that kind of I've always had to interact with people so I think for me a big part of my coaching is the person and not necessarily necessarily the the, the the fitness is obviously a main thing and the results are great but for me it's about what I think I bring to the table is I invest in the person rather than the goal they come and say, I want to lose two pounds, whatever. Great, that happens. But I invest in the person. I make an effort to 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 get into get into them, get into their head a little bit and find out about them. So I try as best I can to to know as much about sort of my client and and the people I work with and the people I that that we see on a day-to-day -day basis. I try and know as much as I can about them. I think that's important. And I think that stems from me having to deal with but again, like teaching karate, so you're teaching kids. You don't deal with the child. You teach the child, but you don't deal with them. You deal with their parents. So for me, there was always a constant communication stream of you're 14 years old, Freddie, but you've got to go and speak to a, 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 a guy or a girl with, with three or four children who's got a house and a mortgage and has life experience. And I'm a 14-year-old kid. Um, so I think for me, kind of, it's, it's that that experience I've had over the years of being in different situations, hard situations, dealing with people a lot has kind of, has kind of a, is where I, I think I offer something a little bit different. And the fact I've been in that situation in a, in a sort of a fitness or sort of sport environment. Um, I know, I know the right way to talk to people. I mean, imagine being 14 years old and, and telling a kid and their parent that they failed their grading, which is what I had to do every three months. Um, at least, two or three times because you, we had a club of over a thousand people 
we've degraded every three months, people are going to fail. So it was my job to go and tell them that they not only failed their grading, but then I had to tell them and their parents. And that's coming from a kid. I mean, I don't know how I feel if a 14-year-old now told me that I failed a grading. Probably wouldn't accept it. So I think for me, that was quite a challenge. And I think that's kind of where that experience I've had of dealing with sort of tough situations, I think helps me helps me now because I don't have all the answers, but I've got, I feel like I've picked up enough tools over the years to kind of, if something does pop up, um, that I, I've, I, at least I've got some knowledge of, or some experience of dealing with something, maybe not, maybe not the same, but something similar. Um, so I think for me, that's kind of the big thing. And for me, it's about investing in the people rather than just investing in the goal, because at the end of the day, the goal is a goal. The goal is something physical normally. They want to lose weight or they want to get stronger or do something or they want to bench press 100 kilos. To me, that, that bit's the easy bit. Um, but getting into the person is, is the hardest bit. Um, and I read a good quote actually in a book a couple of days ago, um, Alex Ferguson, um, the old Man United manager. So I've been reading his book and he was talking about the human element of it. So he was never that, that interested in kind of the data analysis and stuff. He used it to assist him, but he said, there'll be a day where you walk into a hospital room and the, the, the doctors are more worried about the data on the monitor while the patient chokes, on a, chokes to death on a chicken sandwich next to them. So you've got to realise there's a, there's a human involved in this. Um, and that's kind of, that kind of reinforced what I, what I already, what my, what my thought about coaching was. So because I've been dealing with people and my experience of coaching different types of people and different age groups and stuff, I feel like I can bring a, a bit of, um, a bit of depth to my coaching and I know how to deal with different, different people. And I think that reflects kind of in my, in my client base now. I mean, my, I've got guys that are in their sort of seventies and eighties and I've got guys down to 12, 13. So I think that kind of that that is where that I think that has really helped me because I have that background in in dealing with different ages, different circumstances, especially in a in especially in a sort of sport or fitness fitness setting. Mm, definitely. So Freddie, what so obviously you've grown so much since that fourteen year old coach. Um, but how would you describe yourself now in three words? Well, as a coach or as a person? um both so I think as a person um I'd say uh, dedicated determined and sort of and and loyal um and I think that, that does reflect in my coaching I think actually I mean I expect I don't expect a, a lot from my clients but I do I expect that same I just expect it back and I think that kind of comes across in my coaching so I'll work hard for you I'll go to the moon and back but you've got to do the same so if you're not going to put the effort in, if you're going to, if you're not going to turn up to your sessions and stuff, I'm not going to bother going to the moon and back for you. But if you're going to come into your session, you're going to train hard. You're going to turn up on time. You're going to do these things. I think that's kind of, I have a, I don't ever mention it to my clients. They'll hear it now in this, in this podcast, but I set a high standard for people and maybe that just comes across in how I am. But I think, yeah, determined, definitely. Um, determined, hardworking and, uh, and, and driven, dedicated. Um, I mean, I want, like I say, I want to be the best and I want FG to be the best. And if that means FG has got to be the best by my clients being the best, then that's then so be it. And I think I'll, I'll drive them, drive them forward as well, because at the end of the day, they're a reflection of me and a reflection of us, just like my karate students were a reflection of my coaching. And just like my, my I was a reflection of my coach um that that kind of has to filter through I think 
I think for me, it's about it's about giving people the opportunity to to do it. You've got to give them the opportunity. And I think that's where kind of FG came from, that sort of private training, allowing people to who had never probably stepped foot in a gym or that sort of setting, giving them an opportunity. But then once they've got the opportunity, you've then got to, you've then got to make sure they take the opportunity because otherwise it's a waste of time. I haven't done my job. If someone comes in for 10 sessions and doesn't get what they want to do, I've, I've wasted, my, I've not wasted my time, but they've wasted their time. And because I haven't given them what they want, I've given them the opportunity, but then I haven't, I haven't given them the, the, uh, the success that they wanted. So I think for me, it's about making sure that people, that I give them the opportunity, then make sure that they flourish in that in that thing and if that means that i've got to be i've got to be dedicated i've got to be dedicated to them as well they can't i can't ask for them to to give their time to me and basically put their trust in my hands and then i can't take that for granted i've got to say to them okay you're trusting me so i'm gonna i'm gonna work hard for you to make sure that this to make sure that this this works because otherwise at the end of the day they're wasting their time and they're wasting their money when it comes down to it um so I think for me, for me, it's about that. Um, and I think that's why me, me as a character striving to be the best that I can be, I think that naturally just, just assists my coaching because the better I am and the more I know, then obviously that has a knock-on effect to, 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 to my clients because they know that they're getting the best and, or what they're getting the best that they can get and they know that I'm trying. Yeah, I can I just ask, because you, you mentioned a couple of times that you, you're not done with FG by a long way. There's more that you want to do. Um, how will you know when you've achieved what you want to achieve? What, what does success look like to you? Honestly, I don't know. Um, I, I mean, I get I get pulled up all the time for when people say to me, you must be proud of what you've achieved. And I always say I haven't achieved it yet. I don't actually know. I don't I don't ever look back, really. I mean, like the question like this is quite good because I never look back on on what I've done and what I've achieved because to me it's and again I think it comes from without meaning to harp on about it but it comes from that 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 competitive nature that karate background when I was part of the England squad we competed 20 times a year and even if it was an international even after the international the international competitions were always around sort of September or August time there was always a competition the next week or the next month so I remember we went to the we went to the Europeans, picked up a gold and a bronze, and literally I was due, I was due to go to Luxembourg. That competition got cancelled the weekend after. So I remember we were having a it was in Belgium. Um, I was speaking to my coach, and uh, we sat down and uh, we had a beer after the after the uh, after the uh, after the competition. And uh, he didn't say congratulations. He just said, "Right, what's the plan for Bel- uh, for Luxembourg next weekend? What are you going to do?" And then. Unfortunately, I got the call on the Wednesday to say that Luxembourg was off, but it was always about the next competition. It was always about the next thing. So we never really had time to kind of sit there and reflect. You couldn't because you believe you're in hype. Um, and, and for us, it wasn't about that. For us, it was, okay, that was one. That's that one done. Next one, move on. Um, and we always, had the, we always had a big competition. So we always had the two big national championships at the end of the year um, after the internationals. So it was always the Scottish nationals and then the English nationals which is always good because Scotland would attend both. And that was a sort of big karate rivalry with England, Scotland. So we'd go up to their place in the October. They'd come to us in the November. So I remember after the, the, the squad sessions, after the international, it was never, oh, well done on your achievements, by the way. It was always, right, how are we going to beat Scotland? Um, so I think for me, what do I want to achieve with FG? I, I don't know. Um, I just want to take it 
as far as I possibly can until I probably burn out, I guess. Um, whatever that looks like, I don't know. Um, to be fair, and I think that's why having kind of a team of people helps me with that because I know where where you guys want to go and I know what you guys want to do. And that helps me kind of sort it out in my head as to where I want to take the, take the business. Um, I think because otherwise... I'll just I'll just keep doing keep going and keep going and actually there's I don't think there should be a ceiling on it um I just think it needs a bit of direction but obviously I'm not going to uh, say publicly what our what our targets are but we know our targets and we know what we want to do um and I think for me that's kind of that's kind of where the next level is and then I think from there we do that and then we discuss again what the level is after that I just think that I think with with a with a good platform that we're trying to create and that we we have a little bit of a platform i think it's uh i think the the opportunities are endless to be fair but what success looks like i don't know uh how can people contact you freddie um so they can contact or they can contact me via office at fgpersonaltraining.co.uk or uh www.fgpersonaltraining.co.uk or they can phone me on 07712-479-342 or they can search fg personal training on a on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. Great. Thanks so much for your time today, Freddie. It's been great talking to you. Cheers, guys. Yep. Thanks, Freddie. Thanks, Freddie. Thank you. See you all together. I'm just going to stop recording.